Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. This September, we celebrate the fifth anniversary of Abundant Life Worship Center. And as we celebrate, we start a new series titled Purpose, Potential, and Power. Today's message is titled Turning Point. A turning point is a place of decision where we choose to either walk with God or go our own personal way. But the path of blessing is always found in going with God. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm glad to be here today. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Let's open your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers, chapter 13. This is a tremendous story in the Bible. It is actually one of these things that is very much like our day-to-day life because it's, it's what I refer to as, and you would know this term because you've heard it many times before it's it's a turning point turning points happen often in our lives and turning points are become those moments in life where you have a choice and once you have that choice you can either choose to go one direction or another or maybe there are multiple directions but ultimately the turning point becomes that moment when your decision is going to impact everything else that comes behind So I had a turning point in life when I was in a car one evening and I was sitting there and I made a decision to do something. There was a woman sitting next to me in the car and I looked at that woman and I asked her to marry me. It was a turning point in my life. And that turning point locked a certain set of actions that were ruling out a whole bunch of other set of actions. Amen? So this decision in that moment, it changed everything else. Because if I honor this turning point that I'm making, this decision that I'm making right now, this decision will rule out, boom, 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 a whole bunch of other dominoes. It opens a whole new door, a whole new direction, a whole new set of realities are now open because of a decision and a turning point that we have. If you understand that reality, you will know that you have had many, many turning points in your life. Every turning point causes a new set of things. And if you understand the power of turning points, you will be very wise in your decision making. There's some decisions I made, snap, not realizing I was activating a turning point. I made a quick decision, and that quick decision set in order a whole series of other things. But I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I thought I was just blowing off some steam. I thought I was just saying what I feel. I thought I was just doing whatever I was doing, but I did not realize that in the moment, I was setting a course of action that eventually will be my harvest. Amen? In the book of Numbers, chapter 13, the children of Israel have been led by God out of slavery, out of bondage. God came to hear their prayers when they were slaves in Egypt, and he led them out of that captivity. He led them out He showed himself strong on their behalf. He worked 
multiple miracles and getting them to the road to a promise that he's made. On this road to get to promise, how many of you know roads to promise are probably not the promise? <laughs> the road to promise doesn't look like the promise because you've got to go somewhere to get to the promise, amen? <laughs> if it looked like the promise, you would say, great, we're in the promise, but you're not there. You're on the road to promise. The road can sometimes be rocky, can be tough, can be hard. It can be a lot of different things. But once you've hit the turning point of going there, you have to recognize that even though you're on the road to a place, there are other turning points. And if you don't make the right decision, you'll go off of where you were trying to go. I was on the turning point. I made a decision one day. I said, praise God, I'm going to be debt free. I read some passages in scripture that says the borrower is a slave of the lender. I said, that, ooh, that's all I need to know. I'm not a slave. Jesus set me free. I'm coming out of debt, period. And I started down the road. And the road was rocky. <laughs> the road was challenging. It was tough because those credit cards were screaming from my pocket. It was challenging. It was rough. It was hard out there. And as I'm moving forward, I start seeing breakthroughs. Yeah. Woo, oh, got rid of that one. Boom, I got rid of this one. Boom, got rid of that one. Ooh, I feel a little freedom. Ooh, I'm not breathing hard every, every payday. <laughs> I'm actually getting paid, and I'm, I'm now have to write a check immediately. You know, payday and check writing day is the same day? <laughs> Man, I can at least wait two days or something. Now I got to, to pay immediately because I'm waiting to get the check. So, whoo, I'm getting some breathing room. What happened? I made a decision, and now some new things are starting to happen for me, and it's challenging going down the road. I see the objective out there, but on the road, I made a compromising decision. As I was paying down the debts, I said, uh, I'll, just, I'll just do this, and I'll get back on track. And so I made a decision, and it took me off of the track I was on. And it put me on another track. Amen? See, life is about, a, it, your whole life is a series of decisions. It's a series of decisions. And when you understand your life is a series of decisions, then you start looking at how you make decisions. If you make decisions with information you have in your grasp, it's sometimes not all the information you need. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs. It says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. In other words, if you can get the right counsel around you, not just one counsel, the multitude of counsels, getting a, a, a wide array of right voices, getting that multitude of counsel, there becomes safety in that. So getting wisdom from the right sources gives you an ability to be in the right place. Now the children of Israel have been led out of the wilderness and they are now at a point where they're on the rocky road and there's some decisions getting ready to be made. <clears throat> so we're going to read the beginning of chapter 13. Listen closely 
And as you listen to this, I want you to think about your own set of turning points. Amen? All right. Verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. In other words, don't send scrubs. Send leaders from every tribe. Pick somebody who everybody esteems as a leader. When everybody looks at them, they want to hear a leader's voice and their observation. Amen? Verse 3. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names. And we'll skip through there. We'll skip down to, let's go to verse, uh, let's go to verse uh, 17. Verse 17 says, so then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and up to the mountains, see what the land is like whether the people who are dwelling there are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zan as far as Rehob, near the entrance to Hamath. And they went up through the south, came to Hebron, Amina, Shasai, Talmai, and the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came out of the valley of Eshol, and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So I'm going to stay right there. So what has happened is they've gone out. These leaders have gone to the place. They've gone out into the wilderness. They've gone into, looked at the cities. They've looked at everything. They've gone all across this land of promise. They've spied out the place. Moses gave them directions to look at strength of the people. Look at how many people are there. Look at all the things. Gather all this information. When you gather all this information, come back. Now, he didn't tell them to analyze the information he told them to gather information and there's a difference between gathering information and analyzing information because sometimes you go to analyze information and you only know math and this requires calculus to analyze amen where are all my calculus people at there we go all right we got we got a couple of them amen If you're trying to analyze things with the wrong kind of math, you will not get adequate conclusions. That's the basic foundations of mathematics. 
That's why if you take a person who hasn't learned math and you put them in algebra class, they can't learn algebra. Because if you don't know the foundation, you can't go up to the next level. And you can't understand the next level unless you understood the level before it. Faith is the same way. You can't leap tall buildings with your faith when you ain't stepped over two rocks. Amen? You got to step over rocks. And then when you learn how to step over rocks, you step over the next thing. Amen? That's when David was facing the giant. He didn't say, uh, you know, I'm going to go down there. He said, no, I have faced both a lion and a bear, and he's next. In other words, I've passed other tests when nobody else was looking, and now that I'm here, I'm ready to go to the next level. That's why if you ask all the soldiers who were standing on the hillside what they should do, they couldn't do anything because they didn't have the right information to make proper analysis of who Goliath was. David saw Goliath for who he was because he had taken the steps ahead of time to be strong enough to go with him in the valley. Amen. Now, they go, they grab all of this information. And now, I want to go look at verse 26. Excuse me, verse, uh, yes, verse 26. So they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back the word to them and all of the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, two men had to carry grapes on a pole between them. That would, I would say, would be a big harvest. And if the, if the, if the, if the, if the, vines are big enough that you can lay them over a pole and they don't fall apart and just fall down? That's some good grapes. Amen? (laughs) Verse 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. Truly it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now, here's where turning points come into place. A group of people all have the same information. Twelve leaders all have the same information, but their conclusions are totally different. Their conclusions, having seen the same pieces of information, their conclusions are totally different, and we're going to see the first conclusion. Verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Right now, yes, I saw the giants. Yes, I saw the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Bugabites. I saw them all. I saw all of them. And guess what? We are well able. Let's go. Right now. Let's do it. (laughs) We are well able to overcome it. Tell your neighbor, say you're well able to overcome any ite in your way. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I think the Boogabites might be after y'all. Amen. 
<laughs> Amen. Verse 31. But the man, but the men who had gone up with him saw the exact same stuff. But the men who went up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Wait a minute. Saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. One says, we are able. A whole other group says, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, cowboy. We can't, we're not going out there. We're not able. We saw giants. We saw this and that. And yeah, it's got fruit and all, but it, it ain't that kind of fruit. It's not I'm willing to die for it, fruit. There's got to be somewhere else we can go. See, we're at a turning point, right? God says, I have a land that flows with milk and honey. I brought you out of slavery to take you to that land. And they then go see, indeed, there's a land out there that's what God said it was. But we can't go there. Let me ask you a question. If God says... I have a land for you, a place you've never been before. And then you get to the place where God said it was, where you've never been before. It's exactly what God said it was. But there happens to be something there. And you go back and say, well, we can't go. At what point do we believe God? And at what point do we believe what we see? turning point. This is a point of decision. This is a point where we can either go ahead and believe God and do what God said and face the giants believing that God's going to be with us when we fight every giant or we can say no we can't do that and we're going to wait for God to show us another way. <laughs> Anybody who ever learned to swim and you were over 10 years old. Little kids just get in the water. They don't fear. They just, they just, in, they just in the water. They just do, just do whatever and just go. But if you're over 10 years old and you learn to swim, you go through the agony of standing on the side of the wall. The agony of standing on the side of the wall. Somebody's in the water saying, come on, come on. And you're saying, ah, no. And that's scared. Then, oh, it's cold. You go through all the excuses about why you can't just jump in there. And then you might jump in and ah, ah, you're splashing around and they say, stand up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because that fear becomes a turning point. 
Fear is the number one thing that holds us in check when we have a sure word from Scripture, a word from God, or a sense that God is telling us to go in a certain direction, and it's the fear that stands there, and it challenges us on the side of the wall not to jump in, not to go forward. And what happens is this, is that when one person gets to the side of the wall and won't jump, everybody in line behind them starts saying, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Uh, no, hey man, no, forget this. Let's, let's go over there because you know what? If that guy won't jump. Because what did God say? Pick, pick leaders. And if a leader stands on the edge of the wall and the leader won't jump, nobody behind them is going to jump. <laughs> if a leader won't jump, for sure I ain't jumping. <laughs> When I was in the military, we would sit down and we'd, get, we would get, we'd be, sit down and you're going to get instructions for the day. So if our instructions had been to go out somewhere and do something and you're sitting there and, and, and you see your, your, your sergeant goes and he's, whisp- he's whispering, pin it over there. And they, and they look at everybody and then uh, they go, Let's see what do. are you sure what he said? <laughs> <All right. laughs> If they're having that conversation in front of the rest of us, it's only the most gung-ho, I don't care what happened, is going to go. Everybody else is going to say, no way. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> go to chapter 14. Let's go. Let's begin at verse 26. Now, of course, what happens is that the people begin crying because they heard the sad story of the 10 leaders. They ignore the two leaders that tell them we can do it. And as a result, God is now involved in the matter. First, they were dealing with Moses. Now they got to deal with God. Listen close. I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. You may not be clear where I'm going with this. It'll get clear in a minute. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who murmur against me? See, the people thought it was Moses directing them. I have heard the murmurings which the children of Israel murmur against me. Verse 28 is where I want to put your focus. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. This is really important. Because you've got to understand the power of your own words. God didn't say, I'm just going to back up and let something happen. God said, I'm frustrated with their mouths. They're murmurings against me. I'm trying to give them a promised land. And they are crying all night lying, saying, saying, God brought us out here to kill us. God brought us out here to do us away. God, wait a minute. God said, I love you. Why would I bring you out here to kill you? He said, but here's what we're going to do. Just if you spoke, that's what I'll do. As you speak out of your mouth, that's what I'll do, God says. Have it your way. (laughs) 
They said in the chapter that I didn't have time to read the whole thing. What they, they were saying, God brought us out here to kill us and our children. And later on, God said, you know what? You who doing all the talking, all the whining, you I'll let, I will let die. But your children who you thought I was going to kill, them I'm going to take into the promised land. <laughs> now, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because you need to understand the Christian life is filled with decisions. But it's not filled with decisions of life and death. The Christian life is now filled with decisions of how we will receive the redemption of Christ. Will we receive it and just make decisions to stay in the land where we already live? Or we will make decisions to go to the place where God has called us to go? See, this is what, what we find now in the New Testament if we fast forward to this. We find out in the New Testament that Christ in us is the hope of glory. And for the last several weeks, we've been talking about the anointing of God and how God's power can come on us to do things that we could not ordinarily do. And we understand that at a mental level. But the question is, have we received the revelation of it so that when God says move, we will move? When God says go, we will go. Because there's a comfortable place that we can go and remain in bondage. Because see, you know what? I used to do uh, prison reentry, and I would deal with certain people that were, were released from prison but were actually still imprisoned. And what I would mean by that is, is that people would spend enough time in prison that when they would be free, they would still be in prison. And they couldn't break the habits of being prisoners. And that, that was, that's always the struggle for everyone who comes out of prison. We think it's, oh, just do the right thing. It's deeper than that. There's a conditioning that happens when you are incarcerated or when you're enslaved or when other things happen to you and put you in situations. And in order to be free, you've got to get your mind free. It's not your body that needs to be free. It's your mind that needs to be free. When your mind is free, then your body can follow it. But your mind has to be freed. And if your mind is not free, then you cannot move any further. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. They came out of Egypt, but their minds were still slaves. Their minds are still slaves. The thought of having to fight for land, fight for what God promised them, that was foreign to them, and they couldn't accept it, and they couldn't receive it. So God had to let a generation not get there because they couldn't get their mind renewed. Not because God is evil, not because God is mean, not because God hates people, but you can't move with God without a renewed mind. You can't, it's impossible to please God except what? Faith. Faith is a condition of the mindset. So it's not that God hates people, not God's angry at people. It's that we can't move with a, with a spiritual God with a natural life. You have to have your mind renewed and have a spirit that's ready to receive from God. And then you can walk anywhere God says to go. So what was different about Caleb? <laughs> Caleb some way, and Scripture doesn't tell us how, but some way Caleb just said, if God says it, that's all I need. <laughs> and it later on tells us that after, when he's 80 years old, 
He comes to Joshua, who's now the leader, and said, Joshua, you know, me and you were the only two gods that could come into this promised land. Everybody else died from that day. It was only me and you, the only two left that were there when God spoke the promise. And God told me I could have a mountain over there, and I want it now. (laughs) He's 80 years old talking bad. If I got to go fight, come on, let's do it. (laughs) He had the same kind of spirit. So the question is, How do we get that spirit? How do we start living in the fullness of the potential that God has for us? See, the promised land was potential. It's where we could be. It's where we could go. It's what we could do. It's what we could have. But you say, but I can't get there. I don't have enough power to get there. But that's why God pours out his anointing to empower you to go wherever you got to go. Amen? But then the question is, why would I want to do that? I know it's a good land and all, but why? And that becomes the other issue, which is purpose. Some people are searching for purpose in their life, and we can't find purpose because we're asking the wrong question. Purpose is not what. I'm fulfilling my purpose. I'm doing this. I became something. I became a doctor, so I'm fulfilling my purpose. Or I became this, I'm fulfilling my purpose. Well, the problem is, purpose is not a what. You can do whatever you want. That's not going to fulfill you. Purpose is not what. Purpose is why. See, the problem with the children of Israel was not only the what. It was that they didn't know why they needed to be in that land. And they were asking God to show me another land. See, God had a purpose when Tammy and I bought the house we live in. There was a purpose there. And so we wanted to buy other houses, and we were looking at other houses, and we were trying to find the right house, and this is over here, and over there. We're looking around. We can't find something. But we finally just said, Lord, where do you want us? And then purpose kicked in. Because God needed us where we lived for a purpose. And there are certain things that have happened on that street and in the house we live in that could have only happened on that street and in the house that we live in. There's certain things that our kids have experienced in that house and in that neighborhood that can only, some things that look like they were tragedies, but they ended up being a blessing. Some things that look like they were all wrong, but God had a purpose, so we were there where we're supposed to be for a purpose and for a reason, and we'll be there till God gives us a new purpose to go to a new place. I was at my previous church and somebody offered me an opportunity to become their assistant pastor. And God said, nope, be here until I tell you to go. (laughs) And other people offered me things, this and that. My uncle offered me, my uncle was a bishop in the uh, Church of God in Christ. He said, if you move down here, I can give you four churches. He said, I I got a church that got 500 members already. He said, move down here, you you got it made. But (laughs) (laughs) he was also the one that was looking funny at me because when he first met me I was wearing a pink shirt he was looking at me funny (laughs) he he, he wasn't cool with me till he heard me pray for somebody he said oh okay you might know the Lord (laughs) because he was like "Mm, hmm 
Matter of fact, I had, matter of fact, I'll tell you what I had on. I had on a gray suit and I had on a pink shirt and a pink and purple paisley tie. Back in 92. <laughs> Not recently, back in 92. I was out there, man. I was sharp, but everybody wasn't can say, oh, no, I don't know about that. But I could have took that and I could have been full-time in ministry and I could have inherited a church with 500 members already and a couple of other churches around it. I could have uh, immediately, if that's what I want to do, I could have did that, but Holy Spirit said no. My family started church and I was all ready to go and the Holy Spirit said, nope. Because why? Because I want to be in God's will because I know my purpose is in his will, not in my imaginations, not even in my conveniences, not even in my love. Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, I got turning points and I'm making good decisions because I'm listening to God. Come on. Verse 28, say to them as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Whatever your tongue wags, that's where I'm going to give you. Oh, I just don't know what's going on. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm so, yeah, all, all of that. For the word says, let the weak say I'm strong. <laughs> because we have to get to the point where we start to make declarations of what the scriptures say. What does God say about the matter? All through the Old Testament, God would have his spirit fall on people and they'd be energized and strengthened. And if that same spirit that would come on them would energize and strengthen them and it lives in me all the time, why am I tired? <laughs> That means I need to stir up what's in the inside of me, and I figured out that I can stir up what's on the inside of me, and when my body wants to stop, I can make it go. <laughs> but then God said, take a Sabbath principle, because although you can always make it go, you need to shut it down. <laughs> Amen? Can't go for always. Amen? You need to shut it down, slow it down, get some rest, then live big and strong. Woo! Amen? Are y'all excited about what I'm telling you? Yeah. Come on. Verse 34. I want you to hear this because this is important. Verse 34. According to the number of days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each one day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. Now, this is to the children of Israel, not talking to you. This is the children of Israel, but I want you to understand. The reason they were in the wilderness 40 days, for, excuse me, 40 years, is because for 40 days when they were walking around seeing how God was blessing, they kept rejecting the blessing. And God said, I want you to understand my rejection. I'm trying to give you a promised land, and you won't take it. So I need you to understand what I understand. 
you're going to call on me and I'm not going to let you go in. <laughs> I called you out and you wouldn't go. But now once you wander around these 40 days, it was 40 years in this wilderness, you're going to want to go. <laughs> I bet your kids don't argue with me. <laughs> and they didn't. <laughs> Amen. Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse 26. I'm going to rub something in on you here. Now, they didn't go in because their decision-making process was based on their view of themselves. They said, we saw the giants, and we can't go in there because we're like grasshoppers in their sight. So, so I'm looking at Tara right now. How you doing, Tara? You're well. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Do you know what I'm thinking of you right now? Oh, okay. Dr. Ron, do you know what I'm thinking of you right now? Amen. Amen. Carl, do you know what I'm thinking of you right now? I'm looking right at you. And you can't tell what I'm thinking about you right now? To Kim. You can't tell? Can you tell? Nobody can tell. I'm looking at people right in their eyes and can't nobody tell what I'm thinking about them? So why do these children of Israel stand in afar spying on people and know what those people think about me and I'm spying and they don't even see me? We were like grasshoppers in their sight. They were looking at us and we, we knew we were like, they were thinking about, they said, these little grasshoppers. No, they didn't say that. No, no, you're authoring something in your head. How many of us have authored things in our head about what you think people think about you and they ain't even thinking about you? <laughs> oh, I know ooh, they mad at me. What, did they say they mad at you? No, but I, I know. They don't like me. Why not? I don't know, but they, I just know they don't. Why? Because we do that all the time. We author stories that haven't been told. <laughs> you know why? It's because you have a sin nature, and that sin nature wants to make you bow. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Tell your neighbor, I've been made in God's image. All right. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, every earth, and every creeping thing that creeps. <laughs> every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. If you're a man, you create an image of God. If you're a woman, you're created in the image of God. Amen? Some people think that only man was created in the image of God. That's not correct. Male and female, he created. Men and women are created in the image of God. Amen? Really important. Adam's fall compromised 
our ability to see ourselves as God created us. Adam's fall compromised our ability to see ourselves as God created us. And as a matter of fact, not only did it compromise our ability to see ourselves that way, it actually drove a wedge between us and God so that we are separated from God. So when we receive Christ, we are receiving redemption, which means to make what is wrong right. To reconcile something, to redeem something, bring it back for its value. We are redeemed through Christ. And when we're redeemed, that means God's intent in redemption is to restore what has been lost. And part of the reason we can't see to enter into that promise is because the Amalekites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and the Bugabites have built a wall between you and the image which God is trying to restore to you. See, all those things stand between you and being able to see yourself as God sees you. Because if we saw ourselves the, like, the way that God sees us, if we saw ourselves the way God said this, let man, woman, let them have dominion over everything. If it flies, if it swims, if it creeps, have dominion over it. If we could see ourselves in that way, what would stop us? So the enemy's job is to make sure you don't see yourself that way. <laughs> I went to school with this young lady. And when we were, we went to school, we were in, say, we were in school probably from the maybe fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, all the way through high school. And so in elementary school, some of the kids gave her a nickname. It was not a, a nice nickname. It was a bad nickname concerning how she thought everybody perceived how she looked. And because I was in school with her all the way through high school, there's some people who weren't in school with us together anymore. And we got older. And when we started college, somebody who went to elementary school with us and saw me and her walking somewhere and said, oh, man, who was that? I said, that's so-and-so you used to talk about. <laughs> Same person. But all of a sudden, he saw her different. Why? Because she grew up. She didn't look different. She just grew up. Now, she shared with me what all of us deal with, and that is when you're young and your image gets shaped by people, then you have to get to a point where you get your mind renewed and you accept who you are now. Otherwise, what they called you in the third grade or fourth grade or fifth grade will still haunt you when you're grown and people are, are Googling over you. Amen? If that happens in the natural, doesn't it happen in the spiritual? <clears throat> you have a perception of who you are, and if you don't renew your mind and get your mind straight about who God says you are today, then you will still think about who you were yesterday. 
And that's when I mention people in prison. The problem is I'm in a new place, but my mind is still in the old place. But you can't achieve your new potential without laying down your old vision. Come on, you can't go to the new place and still have your mind back there. The children of Israel's problem when they started seeing giants is that they still had an image of themselves as slaves. They didn't see themselves as warriors. And so when the warfare was presented to them, they would not fight. They wanted to look for an easy way out. We slaves, we don't do that. We don't fight. We get told what to do. We can't go out here on our own. They gave us leeks and garlics when, we, when we, were, we were slaves. They brought it to us. Yeah. See, that's, that's the mindset we're shifting. Amen? Come on. It's a kingdom mindset you got to develop. Amen? Gen, uh, Genesis 2, 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished Six days, God made everything. The seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God said, I'm done. (laughs) You have dominion. (laughs) Y'all missed that one, amen. God said, I'm done I gave man dominion. (laughs) God said, I did my work. Six days, I made an environment for man to have dominion. On the sixth day, I made him and gave him dominion. On the seventh day, I said, I'm done. Cool. (laughs) How many of y'all had kids before? Some of y'all had kids. How many of y'all been around kids? Kids get a certain age, and you've been cleaning up their room. And then one day you say, I'm done. I'm resting from this labor. <laughs> I clean this room up not one more time. <laughs> I'm done. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm so done, I'm not even going in there no more. <laughs> I have walked away. You have dominion here. (laughs) If you can't find stuff, it's because you can't find it. If your stuff is out of order, it's because you got it out of order. If your stuff is something broke in your room and you don't know why it's working, it's because you got all that stuff piled over the plug. Step back and plug it in. It works. (laughs) You have dominion. This This is your spot. This is your dominion. How you choose to rule it is with you. But know this, how you rule this is going to determine how you rule stuff when you go out. And if you can't rule this well, you're going to have a struggle ruling that well. This is, your, this is your proving ground right here. This is the place where David fights lions and bears. It's in a little room called a shepherd's place. And it's not until he has victory in that place and gets his mind renewed about the fact that he has dominion and he has control and that God will be with him in battles and fights. When he gets that under his understanding, when he goes out here and a giant is taunting everybody, he's not afraid to deal with the giant. Why? Because his mind has got renewed. 
He knows God rested. God is with me now. God's already here. God's already given me what I need. Potential means that you have everything in you that's required. Every human being born into this planet is filled with potential. You have all that's required. Education is not adding to your knowledge base. That's a misnomer. Education is a drawing out of your understanding. You have understanding. You're expanding. Your understanding just gets expanded and you just get introduced to new information. But that is not the learning. The learning is your ability to understand. And nobody can put understanding in you from the outside. It comes from the inside. That's why things that we're interested in, we get understanding of. It's stuff we're not interested in. We can't, nobody can't put it in you. Because you have no interest in understanding it. I'm not smarter than anybody. I just am so curious about everything. I want to know everything. <laughs> My wife is laughing because you know it's true. I'll sit and watch, I'll sit and watch something on TV. Mm, okay, I'm learning stuff. Why? Because it's drawing out my understanding. It comes from the inside. That's why you can't say you're dumb. Don't confess you're dumb. You're not dumb. You just got to figure out how to release your understanding. You're born with understanding. You're born with the capacity to understand anything. Come on, come on, come on. Man, man, come on, come on. Woo, come on. All right, all right, all right. Praise the Lord. Mm, my goodness. I know what I want to do, but I'm going to stay on course. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, um, yes. Go to... Um, mm, mm, mm. I'm having a battle. Lord, I'm going to yield. I'm going to yield. Go to Romans chapter Romans chapter 8 Romans 8 God rested from his labors right he rested from his labors he rested from his labors because he gave man dominion and lost his dominion to who Satan so Satan has exercised dominion over the earth since Adam fell when Jesus comes, Jesus ministers. Yeah, let's do that. Keep your finger in Romans 8. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. You guys are familiar with this. It says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation, right? Why do you have to become a new creation? To get your dominion restored. You need to become a new creation to get your dominion restored. That's why you become a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, what? He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And these things, verse 18, these things are of God who has reconciled. What does it mean? To make what was wrong right. You're, when you reconcile your bank account, you're looking for anything that's wrong so you can fix it. If you don't reconcile your bank account, you've got a lot of problems that you just don't realize you have yet. <laughs> Amen. I sure thought I had 200 extra dollars in here. 
Did you reconcile your account? No. Look, I, I, I can count $200 worth of Starbucks on your ATM card right here. <laughs> reconcile your account and you won't be wasting time looking for that $200. You can go, so you see, even get a rebate from Starbucks. <laughs> Amen. All right, that's off the track, but we'll get back on. All right. Now, <laughs> God. <laughs> who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He given us the ministry, the service to help reconcile things, to help make things right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Have a ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Look at now go to Romans chapter eight here. Hallelujah. Verse 19. Romans eight, verse 19. It says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility. In other words, creation was put under the dominion of man and given the order, tend the garden, keep it, take care of it. That dominion was given to Satan who has abused it. It's been abused. So it says that creation is waiting for the rightful owner to be restored. All of creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's waiting for the sons of God, the children of God, who have God's intent and God's purpose in mind to reclaim what is rightfully theirs. So we can do the right thing. Amen? Verse 20, for the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. <laughs> See, the, 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 the church has everything required to heal the earth. <laughs> the church has the ideas. The church has the understandings. If we can tap into what God has given us, we can get answers to what creation is groaning for. We're drilling oil out the ground, pulling oil up, oil up, oil up. Something needs to go back down there. Oil's coming up. What's going down? Oh, we're going to shoot water down there. Water and oil aren't the same thing. <laughs> we have problems in our world, and we need reality of the body of Christ to rise up with godly ideas to fix what's broken. Remember, Cherish just said, I went and I saw Hiroshima. I saw a picture of what it was like thriving before. I saw a picture of what man destroyed. The corruption of man destroyed a city. A city of 900,000 people was destroyed. <laughs> Why? Because of the corruption of humanity. Pastor Edward goes to Haiti. Haiti has no shortage of resources. None. Why do the people live in poverty? Corruption. Oakland Raiders moving back and forth from city to city. Why? Corruption. <laughs> All right. Oh, praise the Lord. All right. 
<laughs> I had to throw that one in there. All right. Praise the Lord. Revelation. Revelation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay. So here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Going into this year, this is our anniversary. Our church is five years old. Going into this year, this is why I'm preaching what I'm preaching to you. We have a series of turning points before us as a church. Certain things we have to do. There's certain things we're going to have to be able to move through. Certain things we're going to have rocky roads to deal with. There's certain things that we have to do. But I praise God for this. I have never in my life wanted to be seen, but God made me the kind of person that has to be seen. He physically made me a person that draws attention. Right? I never want attention, but God made me that way, so I just accept that. Right? I never want to know any. If somebody says, oh, let's go meet this person, I don't want to go meet him. Once you say that this is a person we ought to meet, I automatically, I don't want to meet him. I'm just difficult like that. Amen? So, so <laughs> she laughed and she said, my wife said out loud, it's true. All right. But God made me meet certain people to learn certain things. I'm going to a conference. I'm trying. I'm just, I just, I just want to see. I just want to see. I don't need to talk to nobody about nothing. Just let me see, and then I'll be fine. I'll go on. We went to the conference, walked in the door. We sat, we literally, we walked 12 feet into the building, huh? We never sat down because we walked 12 feet into the building. This guy walked in and said, hey, man, you're a pastor, aren't you? I'm like, I'm wearing a pair of jeans and a shirt. I'm like, not dressed. Man, he said, let me show you around. And for the next two and a half hours, he walked us all around the facility and introduced us to people and walked us all around. I'm like, what is it? what's happening? We went to this church. We're just trying to sit in the back and just be quiet. We're walking out of the church. The pastor has his back turned. He's greeting people. And I'm trying to, we're trying to slip behind him on the side. And he said, whoa, whoa. He turns around. He said, what's going on over here? He spun around. Wait, 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 wait. Stopped us right on the tracks. He said, oh, I, I got to pray for you guys. I got to pray for you guys. And so the, per- the people that were with us were right behind us. He said, man, he said, I saw the guy. I saw him respond. He said, I'm getting ready to go shake his hand. He turned around. He was going on the other way. I'm like, what? We went to this other church, just sitting there, just walking down the hallway. And uh, one, one, we went to the little thing they had, the little greeting they had. We went to greeting, and the, and the, and the pastor's wife saw Tammy. And it was like, it was like, like Tammy was a light bulb and the lady was a moth. She was like, <laughs> she was like, oh, oh. You remember? She just stared at her. She got in her face and stared at her. I'm like, well, this is uncomfortable. You know, <laughs> so, What I'm telling you is this. I'm telling you, we knew that God was telling us to start this church. And we didn't know how we were going to do it. We realized one day, we were, we, were, we, we were sitting at home one day, and we realized, we said, we've been serving the church we're at for 27 years. She was longer than me. And, and we counted. We said, we've only visited another church. If, unless it was somebody related to us, We've only visited another church two times in 27 years. We ain't been nowhere. We don't know nobody. 
We don't know nothing. <laughs> How are we going to start a church? We don't even know anybody. <laughs> but it's a turning point. Because what God said, He said, I'm going to do a clean cut. He said, you're going to have nothing to stand on. He said, but if you believe me and you go with me, I'll show you where to go. And I'll show you what to do. And I'll show you how to do it. And it's going to be Amalekites, yes. It's going to be Jebusites, Hivites. Who else? The Book of Bites. <laughs> They're going to be out there. But you need to always say, under every circumstance, we are well able. We are well able. And not just us, every one of you. Because God is no respecter of persons. Wherever God shows us, no matter who we are, we can go there. We can go there. Tell your neighbor, say, I can go wherever God shows me I can go. Amen. Last one. Tell your neighbor, say, I ain't afraid. Uh, no book of bites. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for these people that are here. Everyone who's in the sight of my voice or the hearing of my voice, Lord, let them be touched by the truth of your word. Let your word ride with us. Let your word encourage us, strengthen us, build us up. Lord, as the word has been spoken, let every person face their turning point willing to go with you. Willing to go where you say go. Willing to do what you say do. Willing to be what you say be. And we thank you, Lord, that you reveal the why. You will show us why. You will always continually show us where to go, what to do, and what to do. Praise God and thank you for listening. Today's message was titled Turning Points from our series titled Purpose, Potential, and Power. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. When you get on the site, you're going to find more information about us and our church and events calendar and other things that may be of interest to you, including other messages. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. If you'd like to get media about Abundant Life Worship Center, please go to the website, check on Watch and Listen, and you can find links to our live streaming and also other messages that may be of interest. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.